Welcome to the Militant Grind Podcast. Today, we're featuring Brian Gillette, an endurance athlete and author of Epic Performance. Known for his 205-mile run around Lake Tahoe and a 4,000-mile bicycle tour across the United States, Brian exemplifies incredible physical and mental endurance. He's not just an athlete. As the, for, as the founder of Summiting Group, he brings his resilience and discipline into coaching business executives. Join us as we explore Brian's journey of pushing limits and achieving extraordinary success in both sports and business. Brian, how are you today, sir? Sherman, I'm doing well. It's nice to be on your show and good to meet you. Good to meet you too. Good to meet you too. So I read your story and I was like, wow, I have to know how this guy does it. You know, because <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm an endurance athlete, but, you know, I do the Spartan races and, you know, I just know how mentally tough it is. And then when I read that you ran around um, Lake Tahoe for eight back-to-back marathons in 76 hours with only 90 minutes of sleep, I was like, oh, yeah, I have to figure this guy out. <laughs> well, if you figure me out, let me know, Sherman. And if you could let my wife know as well, that would be great. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because I know you're a different, you know, so it takes a different human being. You're like a small percentage of men in the world. You know, so, you know, and I think there's a little bit of a myth there. Um, I'm not some superhuman that can can do things that, you know, most of the stuff I do, I think anybody can do. Mm -hmm. Um, Running 200 miles around a lake is is extremely difficult. There's no doubt about it. But you hit on it when you were talking about this kind of in the intro and the Spartan races. It's mental. Yeah. And it's being able to to work on that mental capacity and build it up. It's like a muscle. So I, I don't look that I'm any anything different than than anybody else listening to this podcast. And why is that? What 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 steps did you take to basically say, okay, you know, I I can do this? Because it's like as soon as you hear about it, you're like, I mean, any the average American will be freaked out. You know, even to run like five miles, people, you know, the average person probably cannot do it. And Well, so actually there's two things. There's the average person may be freaked out. Yes, I agree with that. The average person can't do it. That one I would, uh, I think we should dig a little bit deeper into. You know, mm-hmm. when, when I've looked at, I mean, let's break it down into something smaller, into a marathon. Most people can understand a marathon. They most A lot of people know the distance. It's 26.2 miles. Most people haven't done it. So mm-hmm. only, you know, I, I was reading some statistics, only about 1% of the population, of the U.S. population's done a marathon. I actually, and so there's 99% that haven't. I actually think probably 99% of the population could do it. Mm-hmm. Now, you may be listening and go and say, oh man, I couldn't do it. And, and I would say, I bet you could. If you say, I don't want to do it. Right. That's a different, that's where it's like, okay, then don't do it. Go focus somewhere where else. Mm-hmm. Um, what it takes to run, I mean, you do these Spartan races, what it takes to do a Spartan race, to run a marathon, to run ultra marathons. You know, it's, it's a lot up here, Sherman. It's a lot up in your head. And it's that it's, that is a muscle that we just have to build up. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't start off running 200, mar- 200 miles. You right. didn't, you don't start off just, it's like, I'm going to go out and, and do a Spartan race. You start off doing something smaller. Right. You know, most people don't start off running a marathon. They start off and they're going to go out and I'm going to run two miles. 
Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to run four miles and then I'm going to run a 10K and then I'm going to run a half marathon. So you work your way up right? and build into these things and you build that confidence. It allows you to go after you've run a half marathon. It's like, maybe I could run a marathon. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so it takes this baby steps to everything, basically. Right. And yeah. but it's kind of amazing how we all know, you know, I, I mean, at least if you're you know, over 20 years old, you know, that certain things, it just takes steps to learning how to do and, you know, to master it. But we look at, you know, like say the end goal and say, okay, no, I I don't think I could ever do it. So what do you think it is with like the average person that has them look at a marathon and say, oh no, I cannot do that. But they do tend to like do other things that they want to perfect, like say, okay, I want to go to med school or I want to graduate from college or I want to do all of these different things and they accomplish it, you know, even knowing that the end goal is kind of, you know, is major. Right, right. You know, I, I think a lot of times when people say I, I can't do it mm-hmm. is in their mind, they're thinking I can't do it now. I can't do it now given the resources I have, given the how in shape I am. You know, if you asked me to go out and run 50 miles today, I would say, I I couldn't do that today. I'm not in the shape to run 50 miles. Could I go out and run 26.2? I sure could. Mm -hmm. Um, So so we often think of what can I do today versus what do I have the possibility or the capability to do tomorrow? So Mm -hmm. when you say I can't I couldn't do a marathon yeah, Well, maybe you can't do it today. Right. But what do you need to do to prepare yourself to do it tomorrow? Right. You know, what what type of exercise do you need to do? You know, and and what type of mental, what type of food, what type, you know, so that's that's where we often get stuck is I'm thinking about if I can do it today. The other thing is, you know, you, you use the example of, you know, somebody that went to med school. It's like that's a that's a pretty big marathon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's something my son is thinking about and and so they have the capability let's say they successfully made it through the cap through med school they have Mm -hmm. that capability to achieve big things right then you you tie it into that marathon it's like do they really want it how badly do they want it? And 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 I talked to a number of people, you know, Sherman, because you know, as I was writing the book, I interviewed a hundred executives and ultra distance endurance athletes to understand how do they push themselves, how do they reach these these new limits? And and a lot of them said, you have to understand kind of that why. Why is it? What is it I want out of there? And I'll give you an example. This is a, a guy who ran a fairly large, successful engineering business. And he's also an Ironman. So he had both the the executive as well as the endurance side. And, and we were talking, I was asking him, I said, what what keeps you up? What what keeps you going? You know, when you, you just don't want to train because, you know, from doing your Spartans, you got to get up early in the morning and train yeah. or you got to stay up late at night and train and you got to train and train and train. Mm-hmm. I said, what keeps you going? And he said, you know, Brian, he goes, I what keeps me going in and I get it, why I get up in the middle, you know, at three or four in the morning in order to go for a swim or a run or a bike ride is I think about my uncle, my uncle who died on the couch because he was overweight. And, and I thought, kind of tell me more. He goes, so my uncle, he, he hurt his back 
And when he hurt his back, he kind of was sitting down on the couch more. Mm -hmm. And when he was sitting down on the couch more, he would get heavier. And then that would make it harder for him to go out exercise, which would make him sit on the couch more. And you see this just negative spiral. And eventually he just died of kind of being overweight and not in good shape. He goes, I never want that to happen to me. So at three or four in the morning, when I'm trying to figure out if I want to get up out of bed and go for a run, I think of my uncle. So how do we have that why in us to understand you know, what's going to get us to that finish line, whether it's med school, whether it's the end of a marathon, got to really understand why are we doing this and why do we want this so badly? Hmm. That's interesting because I say for my most difficult Spartan race, which was the beast in big bear, California. So it was on the ski slopes, you know, hmm. and man, it was, it was drastic because I'm at sea level in LA and then I go to the mountains and it's high altitude and I can't breathe, but you know, it was so easy to quit. I would say at mile two, I, I could have understood anybody to quit, but total it was 15 miles, but at mile two, you are burnt out because yeah. every eight steps you're taking, like you're, you're done, you know? So people will take eight steps, stop, you know, catch your breath, do another eight steps. And you will see this throughout the whole entire race because of the high altitude but at the end of the day, I, you know, I told myself, I do not want to go home without a medal. And I do not want to go home to my family without a medal. Yeah. Now, I don't want to give them an excuse saying it was too hard or I didn't yeah. know I was what I was getting into or, you know, whatever. And they, even though they could have understood, you know, because I honestly did not know what I was getting into. I had no idea I was going against a second most difficult spartan terrain in the world that attracted endurance athletes from all over the world yeah but i finished it but it was all mental toughness but i had to you know dig in and find a, a pain point like <laughs> how would how would you look going home saying that you quit and you've been waking up at four in the morning every single morning working out for this race you know, and, and that's a that's a powerful one that keeps people going through a lot of events is, mm -hmm. yeah, it's easy to quit. But in 24 hours, when you're sitting on the couch and you're comfortable and you're thinking back, how are you going to feel that how I quit mm -hmm. and who are you going to let down? Because your family probably supported you to get to that start line. All right. And so you, if you don't do what your job is, your job is to go from start to finish. They got you to the start. Mm -hmm. If you don't go from start to finish, that's on you in, in, in many cases. Now, there are some times when it's like there's an injury, there's a safety issue where you got to quit. But well, that's not what you and I are talking about right, right now. So you you finished. And what what kept you going, Sherman? Um, just that. that Yeah, just, just thinking about, you know, disappointment yeah. and being disappointed in myself if I did quit. But yeah. then along the way, there were people that also encouraged me to keep going. So we all knew that it was hard. So yeah. it will be a guy, Pat, keep it, keep it up, bro. Keep going, man. You got this. I mean, we're not racing against each other. We're just a group of people trying to finish the race. And it was just so much positivity because we're all suffering. Yeah. So, you know, along the way, people were, you know, we, we well, they were feeding me, giving me supplements like, hey, you if you have a cramp use this mustard, you know, mustard packs. So mm. it was kind of like a 
surreal moment. And I would say that it was kind of spiritual for me because it was like you, I had to dig deep, yeah. you know, and I was so exhausted that my knee and I'm not sure what part of my leg, but basically when I was walking, my muscles were so worn out that I could feel my bones clacking together. You know? so, and, and when you finished it, you probably felt just great. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah almost. I think I cried. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I cried even though the lady, cause we found a, uh, me and my friend went together and we found a, a lady that was from the same area we were from. And we just decided to, you know, go at it together. And I was happy because it was like, you know, she ended up going to the hospital mm. and there were a lot of people that broke their bones, broke their knees. It was bad. Yeah. You know, so I just like after you finish, it's just kind of like, wow, it's a it's a breather. You're you're relaxed, you know, yeah. and you're just I, so happy. <laughs> I, I think it is an amazing, amazing thing when you do something like that and you finish it and you cry of just mm. not because of the pain, but just because of the sheer joy and excitement. And I tell my yeah. kids that all the time. It's like, do things that when you finish, you are just emotionally ecstatic and got to yeah. just cry. And I will tell you, you know, when I got to the end of the Tahoe 200, you know, I, there were tears coming down my eyes. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was quite happy to be at the end, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And I could, I could only imagine. So, for you, like, what would you tell yourself to keep you going? So there's a number of things. It's one of the, one of the things you mentioned is you think about the people that you're going to let down. Um, there's mm -hmm. there's no doubt about it. Um, I also I also try to put things in perspective, Sherman. So and, and you know, in something and something like a Spartan or even any ultra distance event, I actually think the hardest part is getting to the start line healthy. If you can get to the start line, which may have taken you a year in training to do that, if you can mm -hmm. get to the start line, getting from the start to finish is going to be the easy part. Right. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm going to say it's going to be the easy part of everything because with training, you know, you th think about the Tahoe 200 run that I did. I was training fairly consistent, not, not fairly, I was really consistently for nine months. And when I started my training, I just finished a hundred mile run. So I was in, I was in good shape. So now I'm, I'm training for the next nine months, really seriously, six days a week. And some days those are 30 hours a week of exercise. Hmm. And, and so I, I figure if you can get through that, you're going to go from start to finish. Um, and, and there were days in the training you know, th there was one week where I had to run 30 miles a day, four days in a row. So Monday run 30 miles, Tuesday run 30, Wednesday run 30, and Thursday run 30. Did I get those days right? But four in a row. And 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 you do that because you get used to, tr to running on tired legs. So it's mm -hmm. all part of the training. And on day three, I... You know, I had done two 30 mile days. So I've got 60 miles on my legs in the last two days, and I'm starting my third 30. And somewhere about 10 miles in, I was just, it was, it was August. It was probably high 80s, early, uh, low 90s uh, where, where I was running. It was hot. I was tired. I didn't want to run. And I thought, oh, man, I just don't want to do this. And my legs were tired. It was hot. And and, and I kept mm -hmm. thinking, you know, I could be home in like half an hour. 
and I'll be sitting, but the pain will be gone in an hour. And then I thought of a friend of mine who was going through breast cancer. Hmm. And I thought, you know, what I'm going through, I'm voluntarily putting myself into this yeah. situation. She wasn't. I could at any point stop mm -hmm. and the pain would go away. She couldn't. And I thought she's persevering through what I'm going through is pretty easy. Right. So stop whining, Brian, and move on. And that's what I mean, that was one thing that I that I got that kept me going. Um, I mean, there, there are other things. It's just thinking about, OK, you break it down into smaller chunks. When, when you run 200, do a 200 mile run, you don't think about when you start that, oh, I got 200 miles for 205 miles to go. Mm -hmm. You think about, OK, I've got 15 miles to the next aid station. And at 15 miles, I'm going to get something to eat. I'm going to fill up my water bottles. I'm going to see my wife, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then you get to that aid station and you think, okay, I just have, you know, 12 miles to the next aid station and I could run 12 miles. That's easy. So you break it down into smaller chunks. And I, and I, I you know, you don't think about a marathon as being 26.2. You think about it as being maybe five, five mile runs and then an extra, you know, <laughs> one at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, and and so that just makes it a little easier mentally. So there those are a couple of the mental games that I play. And and, you know, it's gotten me to uh, to many finish lines. Wow. That's amazing. It's crazy that you said uh, you mentioned your friend because I have a friend that's paralyzed from the neck down. Mm. And so I'm like, man, he wishes he could get up and take a couple steps. Yeah. You know, you better do you, you better not complain about anything. Yeah. You yeah. know, my my <laughs> wife, she was reading a book and she she read this quote and I, I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. If we're all sitting in a room and your friend's sitting in a room and, you know, kind of my friend was sitting in a room and we all think about our problems and we write them down on a piece of paper and put them in the middle of the room. Mm -hmm. Chances are we'd reach in and grab our own problems back when we hear like when I hear about your friend who's paralyzed, it's like, gosh, his problems are, you know, harder than mine. Mm hmm. And so we often think that, okay, our problems are the worst and they're hard, but somebody else is going through something much harder. And so I, that helps me put things in perspective. It doesn't work for everybody. Right. It helps me put things in perspective and then kind of continue to move on. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, we're not victims, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and while I was doing the Spartan race, um, a guy just kept complaining and like people will just say things like, can you believe we paid to go through this? And, you know, I just tend to just shut it out. You know, I was like, I'm not, I'm not feeding into it. I'm not listening to it. I'm not agreeing with you. I'm going to just keep going. Cause at yeah. the end of the day, we have no choice but to push through because no one is going to save us on a mountain. Right. You know, there's no, there's no one around that saying, Hey, if you guys want to quit, come hop in the car, we'll take you down. No, yeah. you have to, you have to do it yourself. Yeah. You, you knew when you signed up, it was going to be hard. Yeah. And that's why you signed up. Right. Because it was going to be hard and not everybody's out doing it. Right. So th there is that excitement of like, I just completed something very few people on this earth have completed. So, I mean, there is that kind of exciting. Yeah. Excitement. Yeah. And so how did you end up balancing you being a business executive, husband and father and training you know, like consistently, like I think you said for nine months for the race, 
How did you balance all of that and still be the man that you are? Well, so I always, I, I, when I, in the book, I talk about this and, and I teach a graduate course, um, a graduate leadership course mm-hmm. at the university. And I talk about this as well. We all have 168 hours in a week. You have 168 hours. I have 168 hours and we all do. How we use that 168 hours is we all do it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And we have to make pri- we have to choose what we're going to do this week or this month or this year. Um, I have a phenomenal wife who is very supportive when I come up with these ideas. And she she's an Iron Man herself. Mm. Uh, and so I did I did Tahoe one year and she kind of helped make sure that you know, there was food on the table that, you know, when I came back, there was plenty of food and she supported me and she'd make sure the kids got somewhere if I couldn't. And then the next year she was training for Ironman. So we did some, some kind of role reversals. So you got to have a tremendous support system in place. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine who I was running with this weekend, he's uh, training for a half iron. He's done several irons. Iron Man's and his wife's tremendously supportive. And he goes, one of the ways I, I kind of get her on board is we both choose where the Iron Man will be. So we go to a destination we both want to go. Hmm. So it's not just one person person. So when uh, you know, when I was looking at, okay, I'm gonna be training for this Tahoe 200 run for you know the next nine months, I had to look at what am I going to give? And I kind of, from, from a time perspective, and I break my time down really into three chunks. There's the, your sleeping chunk, which is roughly a third. There's your working chunk where, you know, you're, you're going to the office or you're, you know, I work, I'm do consulting um, so I can work from home. And then there's that everything else, which includes exercise and training. Right. And so you got to figure out how do you balance those 168 hours. I knew I couldn't cut down on the uh, um, on the sleeping. Mm-hmm. I needed more sleep because I was working my body so hard. Um, and I didn't want to lose some family time. So, you know, there were days I'd wake up at three in the morning, go for a, a 25 mile run and oh. end at a park where my kids were playing soccer or where they were swimming just so I could see that. So, so that it, what I was able to do is I was able to like, I'm going to take maybe one less client mm-hmm. and cut back a little bit on the work. I was fortunate to do that, but we all have to make those decisions right. on how we use that 168 hours. I mean, you've probably heard people say this all the time. It's like, oh, I don't have enough time to exercise. Mm-hmm. Well, if I held, you know, if, if I, I really kind of forced you and said, Hey, if I give you a million dollars, will you find time to exercise? They would, because they'd make it a priority. Yeah. Um, You know, how is it, you know, many presidents figure out how to exercise and they're pretty busy people. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. is it a priority? So when people say, I don't have enough time, really what I'll often say is it's not that you don't have enough time. You just, that's not a high enough priority for you. Right. And let's be honest about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had an interview um, last week where he was just like, well, what do you tell people when they make these excuses? Why not to work out? And I just say, just stop BSing. You don't want to do it. Right. Just say it. Like, it's okay. Like, don't tell me you don't have time. Don't don't give me any excuses. Just say you don't want to do it. Because I guarantee you, if you wanted a cheeseburger, you will figure out how to make it happen. Yeah. Figure out how to get an iPhone. You figure out everything else. 
but you cannot figure out spending an hour or even like 30 minutes is good enough. You know, yeah. 30 minutes to an hour a day to work out, you know? And I tell people like you could watch YouTube videos and do, you know, some type of high intensity workout or something, you know, there's always something you could do. And, and I talked to, you know, an, another friend of mine, he's a, a CHRO, a chief human resources officer for a technology company here in the San Francisco Bay area. Mm-hmm. He's also an Ironman. And I interviewed him for the book. I said, how do you, how do you find the time? Similar to what you uh, just asked me. He goes, when you train for an Ironman, you need about 12 hours a week. That's kind of what he he put. He goes, I can find 12 hours. It's mm-hmm. like, like an hour and a half a day. And if it's big enough priority, you can find it. Right. You know, th- think of all the time we waste watching YouTube, watching Facebook, watching something on, you know, some on the TV. Yeah. Um, if it's priority, you'll, you'll find it. I, a, a woman I, I did some uh, work with, I was coaching her. She had had a heart attack mm-hmm. and that was a big wake up call. Mm. It got her exercising more, changed her priorities. <laughs> Right, right. So, I mean, yeah. let's hope that that that's not what causes you to do it, mm-hmm. but it's a reshifting of priorities. Right, right. And so what kind of advice do you give people when they're nervous about starting something like, say, a marathon or exercising or anything of that matter? I, I, I think the fact that they're nervous is a good sign. Um, mm-hmm. I will tell you every time I've started something big, I am nervous. You know, if I stand and I don't know how you felt at the standing at the at the uh, start lines, if there were butterflies in your stomach, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I'll tell you there there were in mine when I I stand at a start sign, a start line, and that indicates that you're pushing yourself to a good level. The just mm-hmm. that nervousness, and it's right. normal. Right. And it's okay to be nervous because chances are you look around the people next to you, mm-hmm. they're all nervous too. And some of them are going to say, oh, I'm not nervous. And they're probably lying to you. So uh, unless they've done 50 of them, but you right. know, we, I get nervous with, with anything big um, mm-hmm. like that. And I think that's, they just recognize that that's normal. Right. It's Okay. Then kind of back up and say, okay, what's the worst that could happen? Right. You know. Right. And 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 more often, we we often think of the worst. You know, you probably you know on your uh, your Spartan, you may be thinking, oh, I could die. (laughs) You know, realistically, that's not gonna happen. The worst, the the most likely worst thing that's gonna happen, you're gonna trip, maybe break a bone, or you're not gonna finish. Mm Hmm. That's often, you know, you run in a marathon. What's the worst thing? Chances are the worst thing is you're not going to finish. And then if that happens, do it again or figure something out. But that's not that bad. You're going to, you're probably going to live through it. That's funny that you say do it again, because I know people that go through a traumatic time. I say they, you know, they planned on running and uh, doing a race and then they break their bone. And then some people might quit forever just because they broke that bone. But then there are certain individuals that say, hey, I broke my bone. I'm going to keep going until I finish. You know, they're that crazy. Or (laughs) or they'll say, I'm going to wait till this heals up and I'm going to do it again. So what's the difference between those individuals and the individuals that quit, you know, as soon as they go against some type of roadblock? 
you know, it's, uh, there are some roadblocks that, yeah, you know, I, I legitimately, you know, if, if I'm going to, if I break a bone, I'm going to mm -hmm. stop because I mm -hmm. always have to look at the long, I'm going to stop that race. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to keep going, um, but, I, you know, hopefully I'll come back. Um, it just shows that perseverance that the, the people have. And, and I, I give you an example. So a year, year ago, last Thanksgiving, I got the idea of doing a 24 hour walk just mm -hmm. walk for 24 hours. And I threw it out. I have two boys and I threw it out to my family, to my wife and my two boys. My boys at the time were 14 and 16. And I said, Hey guys, what do you think about walking 24 hours? And, and my kids were like, yeah, totally. Let's try it. Which surprised me. And my wife then said, okay, yeah, let's try it. Mm -hmm. And, and so I said, we will start as a family and we will finish as a family. So if one person wants to stop, we all stop. This mm. is, we're, we're, we're doing this as a group. Mm -hmm. And my son, my younger son was having really bad foot problems early on, uh, not early on, probably about, um, 12 hours in mm -hmm. and, and, and so we, we were thinking, you know, maybe we need to stop. And so I went and I talked to him. I said, you know, why don't we just make it another two miles? And that would have been a, a full marathon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And then we'll stop. And he goes, oh, I don't want to stop. Well, and my, my wife had gotten in her head that, okay, we're going to be stopping. And so then, and, but we kept going, we got some, some Advil in, in him, it calmed his feet down and he felt fine. And then about one in the morning, 17 hours in, I think it was, my wife said, let's stop. And, and so it's like, okay, we, one said we stop, we all stop mm -hmm. the next morning. Um, and this kind of goes back to what you and I started talking about in, in the first part is she goes, you know, I shouldn't have stopped. It was up here, but it kind of gets to where the question you pose is my son then said, I want to try it again. Mm. <laughs> and so about two weeks ago we did it and it was just me and him. He had a friend and I had another friend. So there were still four of us going mm -hmm. And because he, he felt he could do it. And so, and we, so, so sorry, but this is yeah. walking 24 hours straight. Just walking. Yeah. But no, just, okay. No breaks, no anything. Just we, I mean, we would stop and we'd, we'd get food and, you know, we stop okay. for, for lunch, mm -hmm. you know, stop for a half hour and get some lunch and sit down. And then we did the same thing for dinner. Otherwise you just walk and okay, we, we walked, we walked 54 miles. And, and so my, my son wanted to try it. So mm -hmm. it was that kind of goes in, it's like, okay, we didn't make it the first time. Let's try it again. Right. And I have a tremendous amount of respect. He's 15 years old to be able to kind of, you know, we failed. Mm -hmm. Now let's try it. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, 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 I have that respect for somebody that like doesn't accomplish it, but still wants to. Right. And goes out and, and does it. Um, it's a person that doesn't accomplish it and still would like to, but then the question I ask, okay, in 30 years, are you going to regret not trying it? Right. So. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> That's really amazing because I often, you know, see people like, Hey, I want to do something. And then they'd be like, Oh, I just figured out that it wasn't for me. But then I also tell them, I'm like, man, there was a time, you know, like let's say 15 years ago where we would have thought you would have been crazy for us to have a conversation by looking at each other at a, in a video. 
You know, yeah. we would have been like, what? That will never happen. Have you lost your life? You could call someone and look at them on a camera, you know, while you're talking to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it seems impossible, but it happened. Like, a lot of these things were like on Star Trek, but, it, you know, it didn't even look good on Star Trek. Yeah. You know, but then it was, it's just amazing how we accomplish so many great things, you know, hum what humanity has. But then a lot of people still have the, defeated mindset you know well, and, and i think sherman you bring up a, a lot has changed over the last couple of years i mean you think back to march of 2020 so go back you know almost four years mm -hmm. um or maybe february of 2020 and and if you know i was the head of human resources for a company and had i gone to my ceo and said hey you know sherman you know you're my ceo i think we ought to have everybody work from home mm-hmm now, you probably would have looked at me and said, hey, we can't do that. That's nuts. Mm -hmm. And then you think of middle of March 2020, what happened? Everyone you know, We mind. shut down and yeah. we all started doing Zoom. And so what we would have said a month earlier was impossible. Mm -hmm. We accomplished it. And, and so how, how do we redefine kind of what's possible? Um, right. and, and there's a quote quote I like, it's, once you say something is not impossible, you're saying it's now possible. You open mm -hmm. up that door of possibility when you say it's not possible. Right. Or it's right. not impossible, I should say. Right, right. I right. oh, got you. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. So another question, right? You interviewed hundreds of COOs. CIOs, CEOs, kind of CXOs, a bunch of people at the C level, the executive suite. Okay, great, great. So I have a book called um, Tools of the Titans, and it's where the author, um, th they interview a lot of these high performance people like CEOs, CEOs, and all of that, right? Yeah. And so I'm interested to know um, with yours, with your book, do you have interviews inside of Epic Performance? I do. So what I did is I interviewed 100 people. Uh-huh. Um, about 75% were the executive level kind of CEOs, mm -hmm. founders of companies. And then about 20, 25% were ultra distance athletes and some were both. Mm. And I used those, those stories. Uh, you know, I wanted to find out how, do, how did they get to the top of their game in essence? Right. And what did they do? And that became the basis of Epic Performance, and mm -hmm. which is the title of the book. And what, what Epic Performance stands for is the E is, how do you envision the big things in life you want to accomplish? The P is, how do you put a plan in place? So mm -hmm. envision, plan. I is, how do you iterate? You don't start off at the CEO level. You start off much lower and you work your way up. You don't right. start off running 200 miles. You, you start off running five miles or two miles. So envision, plan, iterate, collaborate is the C. How do you learn from other people? So if I wanted to do a Spartan race, I'm the first person I'm going to call is you, Sherman, and say, hey, what do I need to know about Spartan races? Mm -hmm. I'm going to collaborate with somebody that's been there and successfully done it. And right. then lastly, the performance is how do you go out and do it? You know, at, envision, plan, iterate, collaborate, get you to the start line. Mm-hmm. The performance gets you from the start line to the finish line. And so I incorporate the stories from these 100 people into the book and show what they did, as well as stories of my own of how, you know, I would envision or I had plan or iterate. Right. Um, so that's it, it's to try to 
you know, there's a lot of the books out there that talk about kind of big things. And, and what I try to do is break it down into some very manageable chunks, mm-hmm. what you could do mm-hmm. to kind of run that marathon or, or whatever it is that you want to do. Right. And, and a beautiful thing about it is that you've actually done high performance things. It's like you didn't just interview people and say, hey, this is how they do it. You've right. done it yourself. And so I get I, I feel like that. Well, I know that it does give a different aspect to the book, you know, like while reading it, because, you know, I say, you know, uh, one guy, he uh, I'm not going to say the name, but he basically like popped this idea in my head. It was like, if you're reading a book by somebody teaching you how to be successful, you would want them to be successful themselves, you know, because anybody could interview, anybody could collect information. But if they don't put forth the effort to actually do it, it's kind of like, who are you learning from? Right. You yeah. know, it, it's funny because I, 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 there's a couple of people I know who they call themselves life coaches. I, I don't consider myself a life coach. I'm, I, I'm more of a, I'm an executive coach. But they call themselves life coaches. And I look at their life and mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you are just a mess. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't want you. I don't want to replicate what you're doing. I want somebody yeah. that has demonstrated success, who has got, has got it all together. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you don't. So, right. no, I, I agree. It's it's good to learn from people who've, you know, who learn from others, but also who've, who've been in the trenches. Yeah, of course. Because I, I tell people all the time, even when it comes to like, um high performance and let's say relationships right and being that top executive and that example in the world i say look there will never be a united states president that's a single man ever in the history they're gonna want a man that's married with children or a child other than that that the, the other person will never make it because the united states wants to uphold family values you know so it's like you kinda gotta you know you gotta (laughs) you know follow that type of trend because i even tell men in business all the time it's like if you're a single man it's going to be hard for you to do business with other people because they're going to look at you like you have no you know you don't have nothing to fall back on like you don't have no real responsibilities you know you're kind of like born in the wind And, and and that's unfortunate i mean it's it's a it's a very well, you know, a lot of people believe that. And, and I get that. It's unfortunate. Um, and uh, because you can have you can have a probably a single male or female president. Mm-hmm. We may not be ready for it as a country. Right. Um, right. So. No, no, exactly. It's not possible. I'm not saying it's not possible. But then it's like, will it really happen? You know, because it's like, even though, you know, it would be nice to see it. But then I know, like, you know, in my mind, but I'm like, well, other people perceive it that same way. I highly doubt it. Yeah. Highly doubt it. You know, <laughs> you can believe anything you want, but then it's just like the image, which you project, what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? That speaks volumes more than anything that you say. Yeah. Now, I, I, I agree with you on, on on many of these things, Sherman. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. But then it's like, it's kind of hard to offend people that are you know, going through that. But then it's like the reality of the world is this is what it is to me, you know? Well, and you, you look at it, at, at, you know, at one point um, we said, okay, we wouldn't, it's going to be a long time before we have a black president. You mm-hmm. know, it's a long time before we have a female president. It's right. going to be a long time before we have a gay fill in the blank. Right. And, you know, we, we've made progress with one of those mm-hmm. um, and we've got still a, a ways to go to kind of, 
Um, but it is, I mean, and you look at, uh, you know, we, we can get into, the, we, we don't want to get into the politics, but you look at kind of who, who who's at the top of the, the CEO ranks. And there's a lot of people that look like me. Mm -hmm. So, and, and so that's starting to change. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Representation matters. And so what are some consistent leadership traits that you've learned from interviewing those 100 CEOs, CEOs, and high-performing athletes? Yeah, two, two words, uh, discipline and focused. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, these people, they know where they want to go. They're very focused on getting there. They can take the things that are getting in the way of that focus and say no to them or push them off to the side. So, I mean, yeah, there's those people that say, um, oh, they can say yes to anything. But when you say yes to everything, it's impacting the things that really should be done. So you got to say no to some things and they know what to say no to and mm -hmm. they know what to say yes to. So extremely focused. And then the other one is just disciplined. They know how to use that 168 hours, kind of that focused, um, mm -hmm. and they know what they need to do to get to the finish line. And they're very disciplined about it. You know, getting up at three in the morning to go exercise, you know, is requires a lot of discipline. Mm. And the people that that I interviewed that were extremely successful, they had that discipline and they had that focus. Wow. That's amazing. Ryan, this has been a very enlightening conversation. Thank you so much for getting on and sharing your story and your insight. Because right after this, I'm going to go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sherman, you were going to go to the gym whether you talk to me or not. I can see you and you're, uh, you're, you're, you're one good looking, uh, well, well buff guy. So thank you're you, going thank to the you. gym. Well, you know, I'm going to go harder at the gym. You know, I'm on a, I guess I should say that. Yeah, I was going to the gym anyway. I was just trying yeah. to throw you. Throw you a little something. I know? appreciate that. <laughs> I I appreciate the time, Sherman. I uh, I wish you all the best in your uh, in your next uh, epic uh, event. And it was Thank great you. being on your show. Thank you. Thank you. So again, guys, this is Brian Gillette. Brian, um, where can people find you? So they can find me. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, Brian Gillette, um, or go to my website, epicperformances.com. And that's E-P-I-C performances with an s.com okay thank you so much for your time man and i'll catch you again thanks sherman take thank care you. you too